Welcome to Silent Symptoms, a Black mental health podcast. I am your host, Kataso Fridge, a Florida-based therapist. This podcast focuses on mental health, stigmas, and social injustices that affect the Black community. This podcast was created to bring awareness about mental health and can be used as an educational guide, but this is not to be used as a replacement for seeking help from a therapist. I hope you enjoy the podcast. Hi, welcome to Silent Symptoms of Black Mental Health Podcast. Today on the show, we have Dr. Tiffany Williams. Um, I invited her on the show today because I wanted to discuss a very important topic of pregnancy and infant loss. Um, She's a therapist and she's also been through something like that. So I felt like she would be the perfect person to talk about this. Why not get with somebody that has been through that and is also a professional in the field? This is a topic that a lot of people don't like to talk about or don't even know the information. So I'm going to tell her, uh, Dr. Tiffany, so can you tell them a little bit about yourself? Yes, yes. Again, um, I am Dr. Tiffany Williams. I am a licensed clinical social worker here in Jacksonville, Florida. I have a private practice, Masterpiece Counseling Services, and I also am the president and founder of Liam Lives Foundation Incorporated, which is a nonprofit organization which provides support services to families who've experienced pregnancy loss and infant death. So that sums it up. Yeah. Awesome. So why do you think people need to discuss the pregnancy and infancy loss topic? Because a lot of people don't even know that Mm -hmm. it affects a lot of people. Uh, The reason why I think it's so important, because one, there's a huge stigma behind pregnancy and loss and infant death. So a lot of times you will find that, well, I'll say me. I'm going to speak from my experience because yeah, yeah, that's, that's just what I know. Okay. Um, a lot of times uh, there, there are families who uh, feel ashamed about mm-hmm. what they have gone through, um, uh, are, feel guilty about what they have gone through, think it is their fault, so they don't really talk about it. Mm-hmm. So the main thing is that you know th- this particular subject is not spoken about, and a lot of times you will find that mm-hmm. there are a lot of people who have gone through it, yeah. but have never told anybody. Mm-hmm. And it only comes up in either girlfriend conversations or mm-hmm. it may come up um, just by, you know, if somebody else mentions it and then somebody else will say, well, yes, I went through the same thing as well. Um, I give the example of my own cousin. Mm-hmm. I After after my son passed, I, I shared with my entire family, basically. Mm-hmm. And... Um, my own cousin then shared that they had a loss. He and, and his wife had a loss at seven months. Wow. And I didn't know that. And yeah. this was this was like seven years ago. And it's like, well, why why didn't I know that? Yeah, so, why were you so quiet about it? Exactly. Yeah. So again, um, it's it's something that we don't really discuss. We mm-hmm. may keep it within our families, but it, it's very detrimental to your your mental health again. Yes. Dealing with the stigma, dealing with the 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 thinking that you know the guilt and and it's your fault those are the things that come along with it so it's ex- extremely important to talk about it because one you may be able to help somebody help themselves free yes. themselves mm-hmm. um help them to realize that they don't have to feel you know, the stigma and that it isn't their fault so right I think a lot of women have a lot of self-blame for something they don't have control over. Exactly. Are there any preventative methods that some women can do to avoid that? 
Well, there there are some things. Okay, so first, of course, you want to make sure that you're seeking medical treatment mm-hmm. throughout your entire pregnancy. Um, you also want to make sure that you're exercising, that you're eating healthy, mm-hmm. things of that nature, that you're um, quitting some of the, the bad habits like drinking and smoking. Yeah. Um, but then, again, there are a lot, there are a myriad of reasons why women um, have miscarriages or... Um, experience pregnancy loss and it has nothing to do with health right so for instance in in my in my situation i was diagnosed with incompetent cervix which means that my cervix um opened prematurely as my son got bigger yeah and that was something that i would have never i mean all the exercise and eating right in the world would have never helped that would would have never helped that so Mm -hmm. in that particular situation no but there are some things that that can be done again you know eating right, exercising, right. getting rest, not stressing, those kinds of things. Yeah, I think that a lot of times people don't know that, you know, being affected by this, you need to create like a sisterhood or create some mm. type of support mm. from other people. Yes. Because like you said, if you don't share your story mm-hmm. with the next person, I always talk about this with mental health. Yes. If you don't share that you have a mental health issue, you don't know that the person next to you may have the same issue. Yes. And when we don't discuss or share what we've been through, we can't help the next person. So how can people create a sisterhood or mm. some type of support group, even if even men can join in on this? Yes. Most people don't know that if you're your husband your boyfriend your partner whomever mm-hmm. can join you in the support group because they need support as well yes yes um well first of all i want to say i like how you 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 worded it you yeah. said sisterhood that 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 touched me a little i might have yeah. to take that from you <laughs> but no seriously um one aspect or one um program that Liam Lives offers is support group. It is very um, important Mm -hmm. that people join together in in these types of situations because there, of course, there's strength in numbers, but there's also healing when you're able to share your story. And it's it's almost like, um, you know, I tell other moms when when I meet with moms and it was told to me as well that, you know, your story is not always necessarily for you. It's for somebody else. So sharing that story Yes, it can be healing for you, Mm -hmm. but it can also help someone else to heal. So that's the main reason why, you know, I continue to share my story and I will always share my story um, Mm -hmm. because I know the more I share, the more healing I get from it. But also, you know, somebody else is inspired. Somebody else is like, oh, gosh, you know, I hear so many women say to me, um, you know, oh, my gosh, you're just so strong. And I'm just like, you You don't know. You don't know the half of it. But, you know, they they have that hope. Like, I, you know, I know that if if you can do it, I can do it, too. So there there is that hope. I, I definitely encourage um, families, even men, because again, they they they're sometimes disenfranchised. So it's like we focus all on the mom and alienated, you know, alienated, absolutely. And there's a lot of research that has gone into you know how how fathers, how dads feel um, during you know these types of situations, yeah. wh- whether it be miscarriage or a pregnancy loss. And you know, a lot of dads they experience a lot of anger and and they're kind of you know pushed to the side but they also feel an obligation to be there for the mom yeah. and to be that strong person. But we all know Little what happens. We know. Because a lot of times, too, like they, there comes a resentment from the guy and the woman saying that you don't know what I'm going through, so how can you 
want to be involved in every single thing or sometimes they feel like the man doesn't understand or they don't have those emotions connected to losing the baby. Yes. So you do. Yes, you do tap on that because, again, I'm only going to speak. I'm not going to give you numbers. OK, I'm going to speak um, uh, anecdotally. <laughs> so from experience, from what I've heard and there is a disconnect at times like the 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 mom sometimes express that the dads don't feel the way they feel mm-hmm. um and then sometimes the dads express you know they they're not sure how to feel Ooh, what to feel um the only the only thing that they've expressed is you know i have to be there for my wife for my girlfriend but then there is that backlash of because i can't meet her emotionally where she is Mm -hmm. then you know she's she's taking her anger upsetness or whatever out on me yes and so i do find and i have heard of a lot of relationships ending because of it because of it because you know the the father either doesn't understand or he just can't take it anymore which is under you know understandable um but it's important that everybody understand that fathers grieve Yes. A lot of, even in situations where, like, I don't know, in life in general, Mm -hmm. mental health, everything seems like the men are left out and fathers are put Mm -hmm. on the back burner Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. women feel like he has to be the strong one. Why is he breaking down? This is my moment. But then again, you guys made the baby together. Right. So I feel like, you know, as a family... Um, the man and the woman, if they can, they can join together in a support group so that mm-hmm. they can relate on a certain level when it comes to that. Yes. I mean, they may not feel every single thing, but they should be involved in the process. Right, right. And you will find that, you know, men and women um, process their emotions differently when it comes to grief. Yes. Um, but like you said, support group does provide that that safe space for both of them to be able to express whatever they need to express. Right. Um, and and get positive reinforcement, get, you know, encouragement, get um, positive feedback, get whatever support that they that they need from others and hopefully from other men as well that, that you know, can, can level with them. And yeah, and, and, and actually see their point, because I think a lot of times, too. Um, men really don't get validated. Yeah. (laughs) And validation is important when it comes to men too. Yes. Validation is, is, yeah, you said it. Yeah. It's very, (laughs) it's very important because I don't know. I always like to talk about that because there's Mm -hmm. always that perception that they're strong. So they don't need that support or they'll figure it out in the midst of everything. Mm -hmm. And do you feel like families should also engage in individual therapy as well? Because that is a traumatic situation to go through Mm -hmm. no matter how far along the the woman was or Mm -hmm. if the baby was born. It's very traumatic for both parts. Yes. yes. I, I definitely, I strongly recommend um, seeking uh, therapeutic services mm-hmm. uh, because like you said, it is a trauma. Um, and, and, and that's where education comes in because we oftentimes think about trauma as being in a car accident, experiencing, mm-hmm. you know, violence, being in wars or something like that. Yeah. We, we think about those, those main traumas, but really in all actuality, having... Um, experiencing a death mm. is is traumatic. Extremely. Extremely traumatic, especially um, the death of a child. Yes. Um, the death of a, a, a young child because, you know, with pregnancy and infant loss, infant is someone that is 
under one. Yeah. So, you know, you're losing a child that has barely lived a life. And yeah. for some who hasn't made it at all. And again, others who, when they experience a miscarriage, they 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 miss out on the the prospect oh. of we talk about it there's um in the literature i'm going to talk a little bit about literature y'all ain't yeah. <laughs> in the literature, literature they talk about perspective grief oh, wow. so there's you know retrospective grief meaning mm-hmm. you know i reflect back on the times that i had you, you know we yeah. you know when we yeah. go to funerals and stuff we talk about the the, the deceased and, and the good and the bad so we're reflecting we're right. doing some you know retrospective mm-hmm. um thinking about that person's life well, with grieving a, mis- a, a, a miscarried child or a child that was uh, stillborn, mm-hmm. um, that's that's more perspective. So we grieve what could, could have been. been. Wow. I, you know, I, I did the same, yes, and I did the same thing. I grieved, and it, and it seems like as the years go on, I grieve different things. So, yeah. you know, I, I grieve. The first school. Exactly. Well, well he, had, he ain't made it to school yet. Yeah. But, <laughs> You know, I do. I do grieve, you know, his his first words or, you know, grieve him, him taking his first steps. I, mm. you know, I grieve him, you know, um, interacting with his cousins, those kinds of things. So and, and even still, sometimes I grieve his graduation. Wow. <laughs> like, yeah. You know, I think about what what he what he could have been. Yes. Um, yeah. So so again, and that's even hard because yeah. it's, that's a very abstract concept yeah because you have or then what their personality could have been like yes i, well, I, I know think what that's my a big one right? <laughs> yeah a lot of people yeah, like wish yes or what could i have done differently they put all the weight on themselves yes and mm-hmm. like you said shame and blame is a big thing when it yes. comes to this yes so that's why therapeutic services are strongly recommended, strongly recommended and education about you know what just happened because if they don't have an understanding that perspective yes. may be different. Yes. And and when you say education, a lot of parents that I've come in contact with um, want to be first educated on the why. Oh, wow. Why, you know, why their baby passed. Mm-hmm. And, you know, unfortunately, there in some instances, there are no answers. So, you know, where you have the parents who... Um, had a child who passed from SIDS. SIDS, yeah. Some, that's a it's huge a death syndrome. one. Um you know, some parents s- s- still can't grasp onto that because SIS is just so broad, broad and there's broad really topic. no specific, you yeah. know. Um, so, of course, they want to be educated on the why. Why did my child pass? Mm-hmm. Um, then there comes the why of why am I feeling like this? Wow. Why am I experiencing this? Um, it, for for those who are um, of the religious persuasion, yeah. why did God do this? Why? So there are a lot of whys why? and questions that, you know, families tend to ask. And, why and me? It, and why me? Exactly. Yeah. Why me? Um we don't know. We don't know. And and the thing is, going back to therapy, you know, you may not be able to come to an answer as to why, but you'll still be able to process out mm-hmm. those feelings and, and those thoughts and those emotions so that yeah. you could at least tease away the blame yeah. and, 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 and all of the other negative thoughts that yeah. surround it. Because when we experience traumatic things, we, we tend to create... A narrative. A narrative for how things will be in the future. Yeah. And so that, it it pretty much dictates how 
how we live our lives. Yeah. And that can be the difference between whether you're going to live a healthy and fulfilling life or a not so healthy yeah, life. Yeah, not so life. healthy life. And I think that when you engage in therapy, you get the house, how to move forward. Yes. You know, mm-hmm. feeling like, you know, mm-hmm. what happened to my child? How do you cope with things? Yes. What are some things people can learn in therapy when they engage? Oh, wow. Um, you can definitely learn learn about the, the negative... Um, thoughts, negative constructs that, that come up, Mm -hmm. especially after, you know, going through a traumatic situation. And then you can learn one to identify them. Cause a lot of times, Mm -hmm. you know, when we experience, when we have traumatic experiences, we have a certain thought Mm -hmm. that comes up and then we take that thought and we apply it to everything. Run with it. And we just run with it. (laughs) And so that means, you know, if it, if it means, if it, you know, okay, in my situation, you know, if I lost a child, then that means I'll never have children. Mm. I'll, I'll, I'm not a good mom. Wow. Um, I'm not worthy of having um, yeah. children or having um, a even, family, a family. And, and, you know, and, and when we take that negative thought with us, mm-hmm. it just, it spills over into everything else. Yeah. Your life, your work, your life, your work and everything. And then it turns into... I'm not a, a, a good human being. Oh. Um, so we have to learn how to, you know, tease all of that out and, and really challenge, yeah. you know, those negative thoughts. Well, is that true about you? And then learn to um, implement healthy thoughts, thoughts yeah. that, that are going to be helpful, thoughts that are going to be mm-hmm. um you know, help you to be able to flourish, you know, exactly. those, those kinds of, that put you in a good How mood. to cope and move forward in such a situation where you feel so negative and yes. so stripped of something. Yes. So yes. those coping skills, I think that the, that's the biggest thing when you're trying to move forward from a situation like this. And some people feel like when you engage in therapy, it's like, oh, forgetting, we're forgetting the child, yes. forgetting this oh, happened. Gosh. We're not forgetting. Yes. We're just learning how to cope. Yes. And then, too, I want to also touch on this. <laughs> Facebook, Instagram is not the place to vent because people on social mm-hmm. media don't have all the answers. And it's good to get your feelings and thoughts out there, but sometimes people won't understand. And I've, I've seen people do mm-hmm. that, and I feel like maybe it is their way of feeling like it's therapeutic. Yes. yes. However... It may be destructive when they do see like other kid people having kids, and I've seen people post mm-hmm. on social media saying, "Oh, you guys will never understand because you have your baby, you have mm. this, and I don't." Mm. So maybe also disengaging from social media could be helpful in that situation. Yes, and it's it's interesting that you bring that up. <laughs> social media, in and of itself, mm-hmm. for any mental health issue. Um, can be detrimental. <laughs> detrimental. Um, and I, exactly. And I advise that, you know, if you're dealing with anything, if you're in a space where you're trying to find yourself or you're just, you know, trying to better yourself, then decrease in social media. Tremendously. Uh, yeah. Is, 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 is a good thing. Um, <laughs> but as far as, you know, after experiencing pregnancy loss or mm-hmm. uh, uh, the death of an infant, I I firmly believe that if you are going to be or if you are going to engage in social media, mm-hmm. I firmly believe that you probably should find a support group on social media. Yes. To so be a part spinning of spinning into a positive. Yes. So there are a number of Facebook groups that 
specifically catered to families who've experienced pregnancy loss and infant death. Yeah. So should there be a time that, you know, a, a family member or not a family member, a mom or a dad needs to vent yeah. on social media, they can vent in those particular groups and be received by people who really do understand what they're going exactly. through and can and and can give pointers come you know from a reference of hey i i know i've been there right. i know exactly what you mean and this is what helped me yeah. versus what i've shared on some of my you know social media whatever's is, so you've been through that well i i've been through <laughs> something different but I, when i get on social media on my on my business social media and i talk it's about different. how people you know get on on facebook and they go to venting yeah. about their feelings and stuff you know the most that you're gonna get from social media yeah. is a sad face emoji yeah. and a heart and a praying hand emoji and that's and that's it and that's, it. And that's, that's not that's, fulfilling that's not fulfilling at all so you know the best thing to do is then in those those specific groups that like you know that. you could be received and people really do understand where you are coming from yeah. now what i have i haven't this i haven't done that okay. I, I i don't go on social media hinting what i did do <laughs> is share my story in bits and pieces as it as it progressed went, as it progressed yes so i yeah. initially you know told social media that my son had passed and mm. then there were uh, bits and pieces of you know my story where i shared you know what i was experiencing right. but it never was for pity or you know um to to be crying or yeah. anything like that I, I you know i just shared what my experience was and how in my personal you know my personal religious beliefs how god was working with me through that particular, or how, yeah. you know, the signs that I would get from my son and things like that. So those are the kinds of things that I was sharing. Yeah. Um, okay, so the positive ones. Not to yeah. say that venting on social media right. is wrong. No, but no. But not There's as, a way to do it, and you have to do it in a safe space. Because, exactly. you know, putting it out on the world, and then you don't get that feedback that mm -hmm. you're looking for, yeah. that's detrimental in itself. Yes. Because when nobody says anything, it becomes nobody cares about me. You guys right. don't get it. Yes. So those Facebook groups are really great alternatives for those moments. Yes. Yes. Okay. But I will say what I was going to say was um, I experienced another thing, which, I, you know, I, I would hope to be able to share with your viewer, yeah. viewers so that... They're aware not to do this okay. is, you know, I would get uh, people posting. Um, I remember one one particular person said, well, at least, you know, you can have kids or at least you're young enough to try again. And those are things you don't say Same. to try to comfort. Uh, yeah. And, it's, and it is, yeah. you know, people are not out here being mean. People are definitely trying to say things to comfort. But that's only because they're they're not comfortable with their own uncomfortability there you go. about death. Yeah, you know? so they don't know what to say. It's like kind of like say something really quick. Let me just say something yeah. to, to, to make her feel better because yeah. they're uncomfortable with someone else experiencing death or they're uncomfortable with because death. Because death period. is a taboo. A lot of people don't want to talk about exactly. it. Exactly, but it happens. Yeah, it's Every a day. cycle of life. So it very you know, much having is. those conversations. Yeah. And then if you don't know, this brings me to a good point because I really did want to ask. Okay. So... What can, like, people who have never been through that, like, mm -hmm. for me, I'm a professional, I could probably find a way around it. Right. But, you know, mm -hmm. for a friend, like, me being therapeutic, that may not necessarily be too helpful. Right. But how can 
us people who've never been through that help other people get through that moment yes without yes. doing too much without yes. i don't know without doing the most yeah basically. no no without doing the most you're, you're absolutely right um the biggest thing, and I can sp- I can speak from my experience, right? And then I'll speak from you know the things that I've heard, okay, um, from other parents. The biggest thing for me, mm-hmm. um, I needed space. Oh, and I know that probably initially I needed space, right? Um, it probably wasn't the best isolation was creating exactly those thoughts exactly i was thinking about it more exactly it probably wasn't the best Mm -hmm. but i say that to say you want to be present without being overbearing Ooh, you know, yeah. so it's like you don't have to ask a million questions. Yeah, you don't have to, um, like you said, be extra. You know, just being present <laughs> and checking in. You know, do you need me for anything? Do you want me to washing dishes? Yeah, washing clothes. I mean, those are those are ways helping of clean up, helping oh, clean up, your, uh, do your errands because sometimes it's, you don't feel like getting out of bed. Exactly. Okay, doing those types of things. Um, you know, if if the mom or the dad start crying, just be that shoulder to lean on. You don't mm-hmm. have to say a word. Yeah, just, just be, be that shoulder to lean on. Just be there to listen. Because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, mm-hmm. you're not going to be able to say anything. To help make them feel better. There's to, nothing. To, no. Okay. They, they, they themselves will have to get to that point. Mm-hmm. Whenever they get to that point. If they get to that point. Okay. So... You know, I, and I'm not saying don't give words of encouragement. What I'm saying is don't say <laughs> don't say things that are amplified. Because again, you have you I've have heard no parents who say they've been told things like, again, at least you can have more, um, or they'll go the religious route. You know, he's a, he or she is in a better place, or God's will. This is God's will. Ooh, and so, yeah. and I've heard some parents say, "Well, oh, so is God's will for me to not have my baby?" Like, yeah, it doesn't sit well. It doesn't with translate them. like it people doesn't. are trying to do. Exactly, and it doesn't translate. Because I'm pretty sure, you know, these parents, if they were not in this particular situation, if they were probably in a less stressful situation, yeah. a less traumatic uh, situation, um, that would be received. Yeah, if you wreck exactly. your car, exactly. maybe God's will to exactly. get another one. Or exactly. You know, I, I, can, I, can, I can accept that, but I cannot accept that, you know, it's God's mm-hmm. will for my child to be, not no, to be I, here. I can't. Yeah. I can't. So minimizing that. what I've found because I've had several friends go through this that's Mm -hmm. why i felt like this is so important to talk about because a lot of people don't know what to say and on top of that what i did was like be there for them check on them once a day and say hey how's everything going because i have some friends who like call me like you have to be right here and i'm right there just sitting Mm -hmm. not doing anything so one of that text message some i didn't hear from and it's like okay I'll respect your space. And when you're ready to talk, mm-hmm. then I could be there for you as mm-hmm. a friend. Mm-hmm. Because for me, even though I'm a therapist, I know all the things to probably say to make you feel better. Yes. But that's not the time for me to be therapeutic with you. Right. This is the time for me to be a friend and just be, yeah. be there. And, and just be Because I know, you know, right now I can't, I can say whatever. I could give you the biggest game or whatever I have therapeutically yes. and it still won't translate. Out of my translate. bag of tricks, my therapeutic bag Everything. of tricks. And it still won't won't land no. because it's not time yet. Not time at all. And that's the other thing. It's, you know, 
it's it's timing yeah and understanding that everybody's time everybody's grief period um is different right so they may not come to a place of um settling yeah. for a year or six months it, mm-hmm. it just really depends so it's all up to them exactly so tiffany dr tiffany <laughs> <laughs> so can you tell the people a little bit about your story so they can understand your background and why you're so invested in the Liam Lives Foundation? Yes, I would love to share um, the story of my wonderful son, my strong-willed warrior. That's mm-hmm. what Liam means. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's kind of difficult to to pull everything together because so much transpired. Okay. Um, during my pregnancy, but. To start, I was yeah. very ill okay. during my pregnancy. Um, they had diagnosed diagnosed me with hyperemesis, okay. gravidarum, which is basically um, constant nausea and vomiting. So yeah. I was unable to keep anything down. I was very tired. I was in and out of the hospital. Mm-hmm. Um it was horrible. It was yeah, bad. I lost sick, weight. Sick. I was very, I was sick, sick. I was very sick. Um, so I get to a point uh, about 18 weeks in my pregnancy. I go for my anatomy scan, okay. which, you know, that's where they find out the gender and make sure the baby is fine. That, yeah. you know, everything is in place. And um, that is where I found out that my cervix was about one and a half centimeters dilated. Already. Um. And at that point, you know, they were saying, okay, well, we're going to have to, you know, monitor you. We're going to keep you in the hospital. We're going to monitor you overnight. Make sure that you don't go into early labor. Um, Monitor your contractions Mm -hmm. and make sure that there is no infection and that because my service was open. Right. Make sure there's no infection and. Also, see if you you would be a good candidate for a cerclage. And a cerclage is basically, um, they, they just basically suture everything. suture your your cervix back together. Okay. Um, with my particular situation, because I was so far dilated, it was very um, tedious. Okay. Because what they're also trying to do while they're in there sewing up your cervix is trying to maneuver around your the baby's sac. So the baby sack is very sensitive Mm -hmm. and if you so much as graze the sack or anything, any, any trauma to the sack can make it break. And of course, once the sack is broken, there's no turning back. There's no turning back. So, um, they ended up taking me into surgery the next day. They had the cerclage put on, um, and by all accounts, it was successful, but the doctors did tell me there, there was some difficulty with getting it tied together. So um, I was discharged the next day. I had a follow-up appointment. Uh, Let me see. I think I was discharged on a Friday or a Saturday. Mm -hmm. And I had a follow-up appointment with my OB on a Tuesday. And Mm -hmm. she went and checked me out. Everything was fine. Mm -hmm. And I went back to the high-risk doctors, the the doctor that actually did the procedure, on a Thursday. Come Mm -hmm. to find out, my cervix had opened up again. So the cerclage had failed. Okay. Yes. Um, and so at this point, I was told there's nothing we can do. We don't recommend doing another cerclage. What you're going to have to do is either, ha- you know, elect to have the baby, which in my mind is have an abortion. Yeah. Um, 
which disclaimer, no judgment to anyone who does, um, but, or you can wait it out. And so my decision was to wait it out. I was going to wait, wait it for out to the last minute, to as long as I could. Mm-hmm. So I was admitted to the hospital for about five days. They monitored me and made sure that everything was okay. Mm-hmm. Liam was fine. He was chilling, still kicking around in there, doing his his business. Mm-hmm. Um, and after that fifth day, I was discharged, and I went home. And I just remember. Um, my dad, because my house at the time was two story. Okay. And of course my bed is upstairs and right. they were recommending, of course, I don't need to be going up and down stairs. Right. So I stayed at my sister's house and okay. my sister lived next door to my dad. Okay. So they wanted me, of course, near family and all mm-hmm. of that. Just aside, in case. It, just in case. And on top of that, I didn't have to go upstairs. So my mom and my dad were uh, getting me settled in. And I just remember like just being so tired, like yeah. just extremely tired, extremely tired, physically, mm-hmm. mentally, emotionally tired. And I remember I just started crying. My dad was like, baby, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I was like, dad, I'm just tired. Like yeah. I'm tired again. At this time I was about 20 weeks. So I was about five months pregnant. And you may have, you may as well say for four months, I was sick in and out of the hospital. And in that last month, Mm-hmm. I was in and out of the hospital and having to deal with this devastating news and having a surgery. Yeah. So I was spent. Mm-hmm. Um, fast forward um, the next day, Liam moved when I ate. So the next morning, I noticed that he wasn't moving. And I tried not to really pay too much attention to it. And right. honestly, I don't even think I was I was that in tune to even be like, huh, you know. Yeah. Um, but he wasn't moving, and so I started feeling like I had to go to the bathroom. Oh, so. Yeah, and I thought it was because I was on so many anti-nausea medications yeah. um, throughout my entire pregnancy, it makes you constipated. Yeah. I thought that's what that was. Right. So I, con- I, you know, I, I just continued about my day and did whatever, and uh, eventually my sister came home. She came home around 11-something that morning. And I finally was like, let me go to the restroom. Like my last time going to the restroom and I went to the bathroom mm-hmm. and that was when, um, my water broke, my water broke while that I was pressure. in the Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you know, the ambulance was called. I was taken to the hospital. I gave birth. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is when I, fa- I I didn't know at the time whether he was a boy or a girl. Okay. I, was, I found out after he was born. Right. Um, so that is Liam Elijah Wesley Boatwright was born on November the 15th of 2016. Okay. And he was 20 weeks to the day. Mm-hmm. Um, he was 10.6 ounces mm-hmm. and he was 10 inches long. Mm-hmm. So that was when, um, you know, my life changed forever. Yeah. And, you know, there's a series of things that happened afterward that got me to the point of establishing Liam Lives Foundation. Right. But I will say that um, to sum it all up, because yeah. I don't want to take too much time, to sum no, it all fine. up, um, it was a series of, to me, and you know, divine intervention. Right. And really God speaking to me and saying, you know, this is this is what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. And, and it made sense because this is what I do anyway. Right. <laughs> You know, it just yeah. ties into what I do as as a therapist. You know, yeah, I day to day, day to day. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it 
Yeah. That so that's how it came about. Well, at least that's how Liam came about. And, yeah. You know, Liam lives came about mm-hmm. through just you know again me um, meeting different people and connecting with God and yeah. him giving me the vision for this because I understood at that point that there were a lot of things that families it seemed like weren't getting right in those times and the things that I experienced even. Um, after losing him, I was like, I, I never want any family member to or family, mom, dad, to mm-hmm. ever experience what I experienced. I mean, just think about being discharged from the hospital yeah. and your baby being so tiny yeah. that you can't find anything for him to wear to bury him in. Wow. Like that was that was hard for me. And you talking about like guilt. Yeah. You know, that feeling of guilt. You know, I felt like a worthless mother. Mm. It's like I couldn't bring him here alive yeah. and now I can't even bury him with dignity. Yeah, so, so lack of resources really also kind of inspired you to yes. bring things to light. You yes. saw what you were missing and missed that moment. Yes. And then you said, okay, the, this is what mothers need. This is what the baby needs. Yes, absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. So, you know, with that, with going through that, how did you get to the point where you're able to comfortably tell your story, even though mm. I know it is difficult to share it? Because <laughs> a lot of people who are just starting to go through it don't know how to share the story. Right, right. Um, I think, well, again, you know, with with me being so connected to God, I mm. it, it, it was almost like a mandate. It was yeah. almost like... Okay, because again, the, conviction I st- basically conviction. Ooh, child. It's yeah. like, yeah, you're you're going to tell this story, mm-hmm. and, and you're going to tell it, and mm-hmm. you're going to continue to tell it. Yeah. Um. And I started with my first Facebook post, like I wow. said, you know, when we were talking about earlier about you know venting on on Facebook, right? But it was really it wasn't a vent. It was a, it was me telling a, a story. It was a sh- it was a sharing. I wanted to share with the world yeah. who Liam was because a lot of people didn't even know I was pregnant at the time, so. You know, I wanted to share with everyone who he was and yeah. because, you know, he is a special being. He, you know, he is somebody. Yeah. And so, you know, that's how it started. And again, it was like a mandate. You you know, you're going to tell your story and you're going to continue to tell it and mm-hmm. you're going to tell it until that's you it. get tired. And that's just, and that's yeah. just, I never had any, uh, after that initial hump, because I am a pretty private person. Right. I don't really share all my business on Facebook. Some yeah. things I do share. But I don't share <laughs> everything on Facebook. Um, and that was something I was not looking forward to sharing. Mm-hmm. Because honestly, I could have gotten away with it. Because again, a lot of people did not know yeah. that I was pregnant. But, but there that was, conviction. It, 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 kept, it just kept pressing on me and weighing on me. And I was like, oh. So once that was out, it was like. That's it. it was, you couldn't shut me up. Yeah. You couldn't shut me up. So. Yeah. So how can people really, you know, reach out to the Liam Lives Foundation so that they can get those resources that, you know, they need? Because most people don't even feel like they have anything. Yeah. I mean, hospitals want to give everybody the best that they can, but they yeah. can't provide you with the little things that matter. Yeah. And the things that continue. To matter. Yeah. Yeah. They could, yeah. Like sometimes they discharge you with a pamphlet and say, right. this is who you mm-hmm. need to reach out to. And mm-hmm. sometimes they don't even do that. Right. Right. So, you know, number one, just trying to find that support mm-hmm. within your family and friends, finding support, you know, finding a therapist, whether it's individual or family therapy. Right. 
and then reaching out to foundations such as yours, Liam Lives Foundation, what services do you provide to the people? Okay, so we provide support groups. We um, provide monthly support groups, and that can be for moms and dads. Mm -hmm. Uh, We also provide um, memory boxes. So those are to kind of be be short um it's it's basically a box to help families memorialize their child so they keep all of their babies keepsakes in those boxes Mm -hmm. so we give out memory boxes we also have partnered with an organization called kennedy's angel gowns and they they actually create the the angel baby gowns Mm -hmm. to to have them buried in so that they're buried with with dignity dignity. yeah um and they make them for you know babies who are you know full term down to micro preemie babies like like liam who are you know 10.6 10.6 ounces. Yeah. Um, we also, let me see, we got support crews. Oh, financial services. So the other thing that families face is not having enough money to bury the child, not mm-hmm. having em- enough money for funeral services, and also not having enough money for um, headstones. Mm-hmm. So we assist families with, you know, get, getting that, you know. Wow. Um, those services we have just... Um, I'm sorry. I just, I just lost. The, the we only service Duval and Clay County, right? With, with financial services because we don't have all the money to service everybody. Yeah. We wish we could. Yeah. Um. But yes, th- that is um what we do as far as financial services. And then um the last is education and advocacy. So yeah. we're really big on educating the community on pregnancy and infant loss. You know, me coming on different podcasts um, and speaking about my story and, Mm -hmm. you know, the prevalence of pregnancy and infant loss. Mm -hmm. And also, you know, um, being being an advocate. So and encouraging, you know, women and fathers, moms and mothers and fathers to be advocates of their own health. Because as you have seen, I'm pretty sure everybody else has seen um, in the news and other, you know, social media outlets Mm. uh, lately there has been an increase in um black women especially um dying from complications due to pregnancy Uh, you know our babies are dying huge so and and the, the 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 theme that is within all of these stories is that you know these families were advocating for health health more you know and and they were being ignored so it's like if if again, yeah. if you are, and these people that you know we've seen in the news, you know they're money. educated. They, educated. They, have, they come from money. Um, they have all of the resources at their disposal. Yet and still, they they're still victims of, you know, either pregnancy loss, infant death, or death themselves. Yeah. And um, so you know, I tell I tell moms. I, I as a matter of fact, I know mm. one time I posted on Facebook about you know, a story of a mom who had passed. And I say, listen, ladies, mm-hmm. even if you have to fire your doctor and go to somebody else, do it. Y- you need to, e- even if you have to get a second or a third or a fourth opinion, do it because yeah. you're hiring this person to care for you. Yeah. That's, that's how we have to look at it. Yeah. I am, I am hiring this doctor yeah. to care for me. 
And if yeah. you're not going to listen to me, if you're not going to take my concerns seriously, because then that's another thing we're finding. Let me go. Yeah, let somebody. me go. Exactly. Yeah. But that's the other thing we're finding, too, is that when we complain about things, when we're having, when we're in distress, mm-hmm. we're not believed. Yeah. We're, and it's prevalent because, like, that's what they call the superwoman syndrome. Because yes. Because they feel like a lot of black women yes. don't have the capability to feel this pain or, oh, that she's just looking for more medication. Exactly. And she just wants to be drugged up. No, you're not feeling yes. this way because from a scale of one to ten, there's no way a black woman can feel a ten. Right. And medically, whatever the pain says goes yes but then when it comes to black women that is discounted or not taken seriously so your health is in your hands yes like tiffany said if you have to fire those people and go to somebody else just do it you're paying somebody for a service and Mm -hmm. they have to be there and be present for that service there's no reason why black women are dying right after they have they give birth because these are preventable issues preventable issues that happen yeah yeah you know? Yeah. No. Like blood clots and, you know, people experience a preeclampsia and then they saying, no, there's nothing, go home. And then yeah. women end up dying. Mm. So these are things that can be prevented. <laughs> You're saying take care of that health. Yeah. And, and, and I'm saying advocate for yourself. And, mm-hmm. and you know, if you have strong support systems and, and, vocal family members bring them along with you and you're not an angry black woman for expressing that you need help with your health exactly exactly you're you're a mother who is concerned about her health Uh and the health of her baby and that is what is paramount um and don't feel don't feel disempowered don't feel as if you cannot Uh say something um, and that's a part of, again, the the advocacy and also teaching people to be advocates of their own health. Yeah. No matter what insurance, even if you have Medicaid, I feel like especially people who are on Medicaid, don't feel like you don't have any rights because you're getting government assistance. You have every single right to say whatever you want. There are mm-hmm. other doctors who do accept your insurance. And then they feel like they have to take abuse. No. No. Yeah. No, no abuse. And the thing is, is you have to, when you have that feeling, that gut feeling, and I know everybody has, and especially every woman has that gut feeling. <laughs> when you get that gut feeling about an interaction or a question that you may have that you you feel wasn't answered appropriately, mm-hmm. or, you know, if you feel like you're being mistreated or ignored, that is, that is really the time to act on it. There's, I mean, your health and the health of your baby is at stake. Mm-hmm. So... It's it's best to be vocal, express your concerns. I'm not saying, you know, curse the doctor out. Exactly, do that. that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying <laughs> is have candid converse, candid open conversations with your healthcare provider so that mm-hmm. you and your doctor are on the same page. Mm-hmm. You all have a clear understanding as to what what your needs are, what your concerns are, mm-hmm. and that you have there is a clear plan in place on how to meet those needs and concerns. Yes. But if any of those elements are missing, then that means and they're and they're consistently missing. Mm-hmm. then that means you probably need to find another provider. Yeah. And there are plenty of providers out there yeah. for whatever you need. And don't be afraid to advocate for yourself. Yes. So how can the people reach you because you're so awesome? Gotcha. <laughs> you know, I am a little awesome or whatever. <laughs> So um, as, as far as Liam Lives Foundation is concerned, I can be reached at liamlivesfoundationinc.org. That is L-I-A-M-L-I-V-E-S foundationinc.org. Um, that is our 
website and Liam Lewis Foundation at gmail.com is our email address. So either way, mm-hmm. you know, they can learn more about the organization and what we do, learn more about our board, our committee members, and um, all of the wonderful work we have done in the community and mm-hmm. the and in the world. Yeah. Um, as far as therapy services, Masterpiece Counseling Services LLC, I can be reached at Masterpiece Peace as in P-E-A-C-E, mm-hmm. uh, Masterpiece Counseling Services at gmail.com. Or you can visit my website at www.masterpiececounselingservices.com. And there you have it. So please reach out to Dr. Williams. So um, definitely appreciate you coming on the podcast yes. and providing us with all this helpful information from a clinician's perspective and from a mother's perspective. Yes. So we really appreciate it. You guys need to reach out to her and she has such awesome resources. And, you know, I reached out to you. Actually, you reached out to me for my friend who just lost her baby. Yes. And yes. I really appreciate you going ahead oh. and, you know, putting forth the effort to, yes. you know, make her feel comfortable or providing that memory box for her. I don't know if she's gotten it or not, if you've started it, but I really do appreciate you doing that because, you know, of course, tough time right now for her. Yeah, yeah. So thank you so much for coming on to Silent Symptoms, a Black Mental Health Podcast. Thank you for tuning in. Please be sure to like, share, and subscribe to our podcast. You can catch us on Anchor and all your favorite media streams. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Silent Symptoms Podcast. Let us know if you have any feedback or topics that you would like to hear. 